It's time to get the inside scoop on the Utah Jazz. From the play-by-play voice of the Jazz, David Locke. Sweet revenge! Presented by Murdoch Auto Group. Ow! On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. He is the play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. David, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Scotty? I'm doing well. All right, so uh, some of our Jazz listeners are a little salty today. So I need you. We got people up on the couch. You're the psychiatrist. You're Dr. Locke. I need you to help people wrap their brain around the fact that uh, the rest of the season may not go the way that they would have hoped. Well, I, I need to know about my patient. Was it the same patient that, like, three months ago was yelling and screaming because Taylor Hendricks wasn't playing enough and couldn't understand why we wouldn't be playing our ninth pick of the draft and how he had, like, that same, is it the same patient or a different patient? Uh, same. same patient, yeah. Okay, then this patient I can't do anything because they just want to complain all the time. <laughs> They're just looking to hate the world, huh? Right, like, that patient just wants to hate the world. Um, uh, hey, David, I, 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 I was watching John Collins and watching him move around against Golden State, and I had a thought. How much does John Collins' role change with Simone Fontecchio off the court? He did not, I don't believe. Okay, so I don't, it's, I don't it, think it's, that was a connection. I actually think Lowry and Simone might have spent the most time together. The one who's actually probably the most impacted – is Walker Kessler. It's literally with his three locker mates. Like, Ochai, Lauer, uh, Ochai, Simone, and Kelly all had lockers right next to Walker. Mm-hmm. How does – I mean, I don't know. Maybe this isn't a fair question to ask, but – All right, let, all right let's, like, let's start with – let's back up a tiny minute, tiny moment here for a second, okay? So – we were playing really well. I think we were 19-11 and 11 since Colin moved in the starting lineup. And if we had our full no trades and went to Phoenix to play the Suns, who've pretty much clicked in with yep. Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal, do you think we would have won? No. And the Warriors have won five straight and I think seven of eight, maybe eight of nine. Mm-hmm. Correct. And do you think that before the trades, with our full roster, we were better than Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Jonathan Kaminga, and um, Draymond Green? Not the way they played last night, no. Yeah, not not the current edition. You know, I, I did have some okay. questions with Golden State what are, and Steve what are, Curry what not are being we, there. Like, but... what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get to those. What are we up in arms about? Well, and and would that team as currently constituted as you talked about, uh, are they better than the Lakers and Golden State again on back-to-back nights? Yeah, I mean, you maybe know. not. Like, I mean, we had, you know, we're really good at home. Um, we got a really good win against Oklahoma City. Um, and we, we, you know, we also, I mean, like, I guess we got to, I guess I, I, I got to get enough before the trades a little bit. We were 26 and 26 with a negative point differential, right? Yeah, yep. Okay. 
Um, so, no, I don't uh, think that. I want to I th- make, I, I make sure our patient was aware of that. I I think that's that's very well put. I think also too, I am kind of curious to know if you are Doctor Locke working with the Jazz, and let's just use Walker Kessler specifically, as you mentioned, um, because he loses three of his locker mates, the guys that are around him. And as you mentioned, and I've mentioned, we have kids about his same age. We know what that's like uh, dealing with, you know, 20, 21-year-olds. And all of a sudden, his support system to, uh, you know, Maybe that's taking things a bit too high, but guys that he knows and loves and have been around and talked to every day, they're gone. Do you just, at that point, you say, hey, look, that's an NBA, tough cookies, deal with it, that's what this league is like, or do you do you have to nurture that a little bit? How do you handle that as a front office and a coaching staff to a very young player in the league? So I two things. One, I do think it goes to the madman, madman line, and that's what the money's for. Um. Like, that's why you get paid. That's it's the NBA. Walker was, last year, Walker was really impacted. Like, it rocked Walker's world last year. Like, Mike Con, like, when they traded everyone last year, Walker was like, you know, the irony is Walker transferred. But, um, but that, I think last year it really bothered him. This year, I thought he's played brilliantly last year. I mean, he's got some like 22 block shots in the last six games or something. I mean, I think he played great, really well. Plus, minus both the last two games is great. So, I think this is part of his learning and understanding this is how the league works. Um, you know, I talked to him a little bit in Phoenix about it and kind of asked him, like, he kind of knew this, like, you know, like how much do you read, how much do you know? But it, it was like, yeah, it still sucks. Like, I was like, yeah, 100%. Um, but he had a very – he seemed very kind of understanding where I would say last year, and I hope he doesn't mind this characterization, I, like I, shell shock would probably be too strong, but, like – he was he was stunned and like bothered last year um, when it all went down. I, I don't think he quite was ready for it. This year he seemed to be more kind of like yeah, it's great. Same time with Kelly's awesome. Um, and you know the thing I think that's the organization deserves like a whole heck of a lot of credit this year. Because one of the things that jumped out to me the most early in the season was that I used, I'd go to practice and I'd like look on the floor and be like, okay, who does he spend time with? And I couldn't like put people together at all. Like, and you just didn't, when the year started at all, see guys going out for dinner together. Like I'd look at Colin and be like, yeah, don't see him with anyone. Kalen connection. Nope. Like they just didn't exist. And then, Will's done a lot of stuff with show love and, and other things to kind of bring the group together and a lot of team dinners. And, you know, so the irony is the coaching staff and the organization deserves a huge amount of credit for bringing this group together. And then they make the trades that make, so then the trades more painful than it, than it would have been otherwise. Like you make these trades, like if they made these trades in November or October, I think this group be, yeah, okay, whatever, who else who's coming in? Cause they're just it, what the group wasn't particularly connected in mean, despite the Hawaii trip and trying to get things, you know, going. And then really will and his staff did a masterful job of getting them together. So, you know, David, what is it? 28 games, 29 games to, to finish out the season and jazz fans, you know, maybe 
less 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 belief that this team will be a postseason team. So what what is it? What is it that that we need to see the Jazz get out of the final twenty eight games? In your opinion? Okay, so this, I mean, I, I think that might be true. It's very clear we missed Kelly Olynyk and his facilitating. But I'm going to kind of go back to, like, if we'd come out of the break and gone on a road trip and played Charlotte, Washington, and whomever else, we'd think we were great still. Right? Like, if we could go to Milwaukee yeah. and have no Dame Willard and no Chris Middleton and no Brooke Lopez at Charlotte and then go play to Watt. Like, we've played two of the, like, if we played Minnesota or the Clippers, we're going to think we're terrible no matter what. Like, those teams are way better than us. Well, so the two David, teams me... we've played in the last two days are, are really, really good, and, and they – and they both, you know, they got us pretty good. It was nine. I mean, it was a nine-point game, and we just missed. We blew three straight switches. Like, and you know, for all the mm-hmm. talk of like this, like John Collins and Jordan Clarkson are the ones who blew the first one. Okay, yeah. well, those are two veterans. So, like, you know, we can get into all this, but like, frankly, John Collins got to recognize that Steph Curry's made three more point, three more threes than anybody in the history of the NBA, and, and come up on a switch. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm not trying to like single out John, but. Some of this is like some of this is not because of the trades. Like, so uh, let me let me kind of give you some of my perspective, and, and you obviously got a better vision of this because you're there and you're right by the court, and you can see the hustle, you can see those switches, you know, you see the things that give you indicators that that the team is locked in, engaged, committed, feeling good about each other, and and so if you want to push back on me, that's that's great. But as I watched this game, it just didn't – it didn't feel like that team that was engaged and locked in and making runs. And I, I'm not saying they beat the elite of the elite, but there were wins against Dallas and Philly and Milwaukee and Denver and the Lakers. In that in that extended run, there were some wins against some teams that now I would look at it and be like, oh, they're, they're not going to get that win against Philly even if Embiid – isn't on the court or they're not going to get that win against Milwaukee. Even if Dame isn't locked in or, or Denver, they're not going to get that win because it doesn't look like they had the energy. They don't, they don't look as engaged, but again, you're there, you're by the court. And if, if you see something different, that's why, you know, that's why it really changes me and my perspective. And and I know you're only taking Ochai and Olenek and Fontecchio off the court, but it just feels like everybody's feeling it, and it feels like the chemistry is different, and it feels like the the five that started on the court are are a little bit lost. Because I'm not a big believer in Golden State. Uh, I think Golden State, when they're connected, it's pretty good, and they're pretty connected right now. Um, they, all right, so let, there's a connected. lot there. There's a lot there. So let's go with. Um, if I was nitpicking, just to nitpick, I would quibble with you on whether we – I think we'd still beat Milwaukee without three starters, and I think we'd still beat Philly without Embiid. However, the premise, which is that when we inserted Colin Sexton and Simone Fontecchio, or they inserted Colin Sexton and Simone Fontecchio on December 13th into the starting lineup, and shortly thereafter, Chris Dunn, like opposing coaches have said it, their play-hard guys are now in the starting lineup. They're playing yeah. their play-hard guys. They're tough guys. So yep. 100%, we lost one of our play-hard guys in Simone Fontecchio, who's tough, really tough, 
And Chris, last night we put Keontae in the starting lineup, and I think that they did not play hard enough last night. Their transition defense was not very good. Um, they didn't get back the way they needed to. I didn't think that the – I thought um, – I actually thought when they came up early, I thought their cuts were really, really sharp offensively. And there's a lot of really, really good offensive actions um, early in the game. So, you know, it's one of those things you can be a little bit of a revisionist history when suddenly the game doesn't turn out well. But I actually thought early on, I actually thought they had, they really did a pretty nice job of playing with a lot of juice and a lot of energy early in the game. Um, and then, you know, as it, as it, went on, I, I sometimes think when you're not as good as the other team, you can get worn down and you don't feel like you're, you know, it doesn't look like you're playing as hard when the truth is just the other team's better than you, right? They're physically like more imposing than you are. And so it wears you down a little bit. I do think that's a distinct possibility in some of these games, some of these matchups. Um, with that said, I, I kind of agree. Like I said, I think I locked on jazz today. Like, like, okay, well, like Keontae's going to start and, I think that's the right move. Is he's gotten a lot better recently. Like, okay, but it's time to play hard. So, yeah, I think there's, like, the play hard group has been broken up a little bit. Um, and they have to get back to playing hard. I do think that, you know, you look like you play harder when you play Charlotte and Washington than when you're playing teams that are better than you. <laughs> David Locke, play-by-play voice of the Jazz joining us. Uh, let's go back to the Oreo cookie analogy. Uh, 28 games. You got to imagine Keontae George will probably be the starter the rest of the way. And we're not looking at this year. We're looking at, you know, next year, two years, three years from now with his development and putting him in the starting lineup. Uh, is that about the right amount of milk to dunk that rookie into at this point of the season? Yeah. I mean, I think we might've got a real blessing on when he got hurt on like the 13th of December. That's when we made some lineup changes. I, I think we might've gotten a real gift there because he really was struggling at that point. And he was in the starting lineup a little bit kind of the way almost that Dante Exum was in the starting lineup many years back, which was you're not Trey Burke, and so you start. And um, and they and Dante was I mean and and Keontae at that point ranked 99 out of 100 players in efficiency on pick and roll, ranked 99 out of 100. Okay. Since then, December 26th, when he comes back, he ranks 17th out of 100. And there's been some tough stretches in there. It isn't like he's been all perfect. Like he had a five or six game stretch where he shot like 22%. So to me, what I'm seeing is, yeah, this is absolutely the right time to go back to you as a starter and see how you deal with playing number one guys again so that when you go to the offseason you've really got an understanding of what it's going to take there could be some tough ugly nights but i think he's gained enough had enough good nights that he has some confidence to kind of understand and his shot looks better you know what he can do so yes i think this has turned out to be the nice and frankly for taylor Hendricks, i think this is probably the right time also in and it could be really ugly at times but uh I mean, I thought, like, I thought Will Hardy kind of said it either in the post-game press conference last night or the after-press conference, practice press conference this week, where he basically said, like, yeah, like, I don't expect Taylor to be able to guard. I think it was last night because it was like, I don't expect him to be able to guard everyone. He's got he's to play hard. He's got to run. He's got to do, like, these, like, let's do the basics. 
Like that's what we want out of you the next 30 games is those things. So to hand this point, yeah, 100%. Well, David, we got uh, Bob Nightingale. He's going to talk a little Major League Baseball in Salt Lake coming up next. So we're going to cut you loose, man. We appreciate I, it. I think Thanks Bob for joining Nightingale us. Used, I think Bob Nightingale used to come on Locked on Sports. Oh, yeah? Like, I, I'm convinced that Bob Nightingale was like a guest on my show on the various radio stations in Salt Lake City, like on Championship Jazz Talk. Nice. We'll, we'll play a little Spin Doctors coming up just to uh, there you go. throwback. Love it. Appreciate right, it, man. Thank Thanks you guys. For your Appreciate time. you. Thanks, David. Bye. There he is, David Locke, right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone.